just need about 200 people in the building that aren't ashamed to praise him because he did it tonight. Come on, he brought me out. He made a way. He opened the door. He opened the windows of heaven. He did it. He did it. Hallelujah. You ought to take about 60 seconds and praise him in the building because he did it. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the name of Jesus. He did it. Come on, there's about 30, 40 people running the aisle. Somebody else ought to go ahead and run the aisle because he did it. Hey! Yeah! 
of worship tonight I'm just going to keep running the ball from right here is that all right they'll put the scripture up on the screen since I didn't get to finish last Sunday night I'm gonna finish it tonight come on just remain right here in this posture of worship we got we were preaching the seven laws of victory we made it all the way to number four but I'm gonna pick up and preach five, six, uh, and seven tonight. Anybody got the victory in this place? Second Corinthians 2 and 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. The first law was, I am responsible for my victory. I'm not waiting on you tonight 
I'm not waiting on everybody else tonight. If the water's moving, then baby, I'm going to get my miracle. You can sit there if you want to, but I came to get my breakthrough in this place tonight. Number two, losing is unacceptable. Tell your neighbor, failure is not an option. Whoa! Number three, passion has to be unquestionable because what you're passionate about, you'll fight for it. Tell your neighbor, I'll fight for this thing right here. Tell your neighbor, I'll fight for my victory. I'll fight for my peace. I'll fight for my breakthrough. I'll fight for my favor. Hallelujah. Number four was creativity is essential. Expect the unexpected and do the unexpected. I'll pick up tonight with number six or number five. Commitment has to be unshakable. If you're going to have victory, uh, your commitment uh, has to be uh, unshakable. Allow me to give you chapter and verse. Daniel chapter 3 verse 14 said Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them is it true O Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute the harp the sackbut, uh, the, I don't know what kind of instrument that was, the psaltery uh, and the dulcimer uh, and all kinds uh, of music, uh, ye fall down uh, and worship the image uh, which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast uh, the same hour uh, into the midst uh, of a burning uh, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I think the king was doing all right until he said, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Listen to what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this manner. In other words, we don't even have to think about this. I don't need to go on a three-day fast. I don't need to counsel with anybody. I don't need to see what my wife or my kids think about it. King, I don't even have to think twice about what my answer is to you. If it be so, if this does happen, 
our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of thy hand, O King. But if not, tell your neighbor, if not, be it known unto thee, O King, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. King, I want you to open your ears and hear us loud and clear. We're not bowing. We're not budging. Verse 19 says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar's or Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And I like the King James is so eloquent. And the form of his visage was changed. The form of his visage was changed. Tell you what that means. Come here, Brother Eddie. Quick, 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 quick. Do you know how to get mad? Okay, let me ask you another way. Do you know how to get furious? Huh? You don't know how to get furious? Give me somebody else up here. He's, he's going to hell on a scholarship for lying tonight. Come on, I need somebody who knows how to do furious. You, you know, Brother Desmond, come here, come here. Come here, Brother Desmond. Come here, Brother Desmond. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Desmond, you know how to get mad? Do you know how to get furious? I want you to think about that right now. I want you to reach down and grab your inner fury. All right, you got it? Now I want you to turn and face the people. You got that fury? Bible said that his visage was changed. You know what that means? His fury showed up on his face. Give me the fury face. Now you got to keep it though. You got to keep it though. You got to keep it up. Fear, no, fury. Fury, like you're going to kill somebody. Fury, give me the fury face. All right, we're going to do a competition here. Stay right there. I need somebody else who can do fury. Who can do? Come on, I need some adults that know how to do fury. So Tabitha, come here. Sister Tabitha, I'm not going to ask your kids. I'm going to ask you. Do you know how to get mad? Do you know how to get furious? All right, I want you to get that furious. Turn and face the people. And I want you to give them fury. Where's your fury? Where's your fury? Where's your fury? Where's your fury? Oh, I heard something. Ah! Ah! Now I'm feeling it. Y'all feeling it? Hold that fury. Thank you. Nebuchadnezzar got furious. And the form of his visage was changed. Therefore he spake. 
and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Turn that thing up seven times hotter than normal. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fire. He didn't just grab his little soldiers. He grabbed his most mighty men. Then these men were bound, listen to this, this is important, in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments. Hmm. Now this is important, little detail in scripture. They were put in the fire with their coats, their hats, Brother Keith, their hosen. Just in case you don't know what hosen is, it's your socks. Now they must have been wearing some killer socks. Them happy socks or something. And they put them in the fire. Uh-huh. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent uh, and the furnace <coughs> exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, uh, Meshach, uh, and Abednego. Y'all missed that right there. The most mighty men that the king used to throw them in the fire couldn't handle the heat and they were burned up in the process of trying to kill Shadrach. Me, can I just preach it like this? Sometimes God's leading you into a fire that he knows you'll come out of but that your enemy will be consumed in. That's why you can't be afraid to go through some affliction. It was designed for you to come out on the other side. But your enemy is never going to make it. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Fell down. Come here, Brother Keith. You're talking too much to not help me. I mean that in a good way. You're talking so much. I want you to come help me. Bound them up. I'm going to bind your hands up. Bound your hands up. They're all bound up. Put them tight. Bound up their feet. Chain their hands down. Ready? Don't let your, I'm about your binding come undone. Put them in the fire. It said they fell down. But they got pushed down. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. That's astonished. And rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counsel. Come, uh, I need some more help. 
Come here, Brother Collins. I want you to help me. You're going to be King Nebuchadnezzar. Can you put that kingly look on you? Come on, King Nebuchadnezzar. You just act out what I'm saying, okay? Just mind what I'm saying. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was a stonied. And he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the fire? Then they answered and said unto him, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. That means you got to get up and walk now. That fire burnt the bounds off of his hands. It burnt everything that tied his feet together. And here he is walking around in the fire. How would you be walking around if that was you, Brother Keith? king said they have no hurt it doesn't look like he even got hurt and the form listen of the fourth is like the son of God I threw three but I see another one in the fire you know why because when your commitment is unshakable to God God's commitment will be unshakable to you. God said, if you'll go with me, then baby, I'll go with you. I wish somebody would shout, because you're not in the fire by yourself. You're not in trouble by yourself. Your commitment has to be unshakable. My commitment is unshakable. Throw me in the fire if you want to. Persecute me if you want to. With me if you want to. Tie me up if you want to. Put me in the fire if you want to. But I will not bow. I will not break. I will not compromise. I will not negotiate. Even when it looks like you're losing, your commitment has to be unshakable. Ah! The old timers would say, for God I live, and for God I'll die. Hey. Come on, King Nebuchadnezzar, you went too early. Come on, come on, where you at? Come on. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. 
Look at what God did. God made the same authority that put them in the fire speak them back out of it. God said, I'm not even going to do it myself. I'm going to make the king eat his own words. I wish somebody would shout over that right there. There's some people that have said some things. God said, I'm going to make them change what they said about. I wish you would shout over that right now. I'm going to take every curse that's been leveled at you. I'm going to take and I'm going to turn it into a word of deliverance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. The fire never stopped burning. Fire still burning. Come here, Brother Eddie. Come here, Brother Sam. Are you, are you right there? I see one of you guys. Just come on, hurry. One of you guys. That's all I need, three. Y'all just stepped right out of the fire. Come on, what would it be like if you just stepped out of all them flames? You gonna be wiping all the fire off? Yeah. <laughs> God's dependent on some of you to come off the other side of the fire you've been in. Don't you give up in the middle of your affliction. Don't you throw in the towel in the middle of it. God's got a testimony he's building out of the fire that he's put you in. Anytime the enemy puts you in the fire, you need to tell him, silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. I was born in the fire. Oh, please throw me in the fire. Oh, please put me in the furnace. I was born in the fire. I was born in adversity. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors everybody up in the kingdom gathered around there being gathered together saw these men you never know who's watching what you've been going through your trial is not just for you but there's some people that God's got you in trouble just so they can witness what one of God's children can come through. I wish I had a witness in the building. That fiery furnace is not just for you. God's using you for his glory. All of these dignitaries saw. What did they see? They saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. 
I could shout over that right there. Nor was an hair of their head singed. See, that's hard to do. I've singed my hair just trying to light a candle before. That's me. I know that's none of y'all. I've singed my hair just trying to light a bottle rocket before. But these dudes came out of the fire, out of a furnace that they fell down into that engulfed them seven times hotter and not a single hair of their head was singed. And listen to this. Neither were their coats changed. Remember them garments? Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. You could walk into a good barbecue place for five minutes and the smell's going to follow you all the rest of the day. Some of y'all, I don't even have to ask where you went from lunch. I just... Chick-fil-A. Burger King. Oh, Mexican food. Oh. Y'all will get that in 10 minutes. You see their coat hadn't been touched. The clothing was untouched. You see, if you read earlier, you'll understand that their coat and their hat and the hosen were part of the uniforms that were given them when they were elevated to positions of authority. And God wanted them to understand that the authority I gave you has not even been diminished by the attack that was placed upon you. Who am I preaching to right now? The favor I've given you hasn't diminished because of the attack. I'm preaching to somebody in the building that the devil wants to tell you you made it through the fire, but there's some things that maybe you lost along the way. I came to tell you the devil is a liar. You need to tell the devil I made it through the fire, but the fire didn't make it through me. I made it through the fire, but the fire didn't make it through me. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. I'm preaching about the seven laws of victory. Your commitment has to be unshakable. (laughs) The king said they were willing to give their bodies to change the king's word so that they would not worship 
any other God. And I love this next two verses. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's people watching you that your struggle is going to bring conversion to their life. Your, your struggle is going to bring a revival. Ah, yeah, I'm preaching to somebody. Just hold on a little bit longer. The word of the king is coming. And when it comes, All that happened for verse number 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. There's a promotion attached to the struggle when your commitment is unshakable. I wish somebody would throw your hands in the air right now and give God a praise because when you come out of that furnace, there's a promotion waiting on you. God's about to lift you up. God is about to exalt you. God is about to elevate you. Come on. Come on. My commitment is unshakable. My commitment to God is unshakable. Okay, we got through number five. Okay, that's it. I can't preach none of the rest of it. Y'all want to hear the rest? Y'all ready for number six? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, quitting is unthinkable. Law number six is you've got to remove the quit option. If you're going to be victorious, quitting is not an option. I used to have this old car, my first vehicle. Anybody remember your first car? I had a 66 Volkswagen Beetle. Six volt. We didn't have 12 volts. I tried to, I tried to hook, install a stereo system. Because that's the first thing we did in my hood. The car didn't even run yet. I don't care. I'm going to be sitting out there in the driveway listening. <laughs> Tried to install it. Burnt the whole stereo up because it was a 12-volt stereo. 
That's how I found out it was six volts. The thing was so rusty. Every time it died out, I just put my foot right through the floorboard and just pushed myself along like the Flintstones. I've told you all this before. This thing was so ratty, so unreliable. I was dating first lady. You know, she's two, two years and four months older than me. I know she looks five years younger, but she's older than me. And, and that's not a big deal now. But when you're 16 and she's 19, that's a big age gap at that age. And she had a good job, making all that money. She had a brand new car. I mean, brand new car. Back then, see, y'all wouldn't understand this unless you were 90s babies, but it was teal green. You see, see, some of y'all don't even know teal green. What? If you're a 90s person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Teal was all that in a bag of chips in the, in the 90s. Teal green. That's why she bought it, because women just mostly care about the color. Okay, they'll take a purple Pinto over a gray Lamborghini. In Jesus' name, too. Yeah, that's right. You're going to need in Jesus' name to get that Pinto stay on the road. Mine was primer gray. <laughs> My car was primer gray. So unreliable. I'd park in front of First Lady's house when we were dating. I'd get off work and school so late, I'd show up at 1030. So tired, head to in, in rubber dust from the tire shop. Smell of money, that's right. I'd walk in there and sit on the couch so sleepy I'd fall asleep just about 15 to 12. Her mom would be like, wake up. It's almost curfew. That's right, curfew. You better be home by 12 o'clock. Hallelujah. Nothing good happens after midnight. I'd wobble out there. I'd get in that car and, ooh, nothing. First lady be out there, help me push start the thing. Uh, push start it. Uh. She had a brand new car sitting in the back. <laughs> Can you imagine dating somebody like that? Driving a hoopty, you got to help them push start it. <clears throat> That's the kind of girl y'all fellas want to find you. Yeah. Get a girl that got you like that. You know what I used to tell her? Ask her. I'd say, girl, you might be helping me push my car now. But you, you stay with me, girl, and one day I'm going to take you places. I bet you she ain't pushing no hoopty now. And she driving a lot nicer car than the one she had when she was 19. Oh, Lord, what was I preaching about now? Oh, yeah, quitting is not an option. That old Volkswagen Beetle. See, old preachers never die. They just lose their text and wonder. That old car, after a while, I lost the reverse gear in the transmission. Broke. I don't know what happened. He couldn't put it in reverse anymore. I didn't have the money to fix it. So you know what that meant? I had to drive everywhere really careful. 
I had to make sure that I put myself in position to where I never had to worry about. See, I'm preaching right now and some of y'all ain't even getting it. I had to make sure I drove the car in such a way uh, that I never put myself in a position uh, where I had to worry uh, about reverse gear. Uh, That's what happens when you take the quit option uh, out of your life uh, and the only thing you know uh, is forward. Uh, I'm never going backward. Uh, I'm never going to quit. You learn to wake up every day, Brother Stewart. Uh, How am I going to drive this thing in a way uh, that I'm not going to need to go backwards? Uh, How I Come on. uh, If you're going to have victory uh, quitting uh, is not uh, an option Winston Churchill said this never never in anything great or small large or petty never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. That's how Winston Churchill said it. This is how Paul said it. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, he said, we are troubled on every side. Ain't nobody in the building knows what I'm talking about right there. You ever been troubled on every side? You ever had those kind of days? And you're singing, it's on my right, it's on my left, in front, but you ain't talking about Jesus. You're talking about trouble in front and back under me, over me. Troubled on every side. Yet. See, that's the tension God's people can live under. Yet, not distressed. Come on, that's how you got to start living for God, baby. You got to make up in your mind, I don't care if all hell is breaking loose all around me. I'm not distressed. I'm not going to stress about it. I'm not going to worry about it. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. You know what perplexed means? It means you don't have the answers. Anybody beside me ever had days like that? I don't know what to do about it. I don't have the answer for this. I don't know which way I'm supposed to go. I'm not sure what I'm to. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. You know what that means? It means this. I don't have the answers, but I know someone who does. So I'm not in despair. Persecuted. Anybody ever been persecuted? I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed 
He didn't say fall down. He said cast down. There's a difference. Fall down means it was of your own accord. We fall down, but we get up. But that's not the same as being cast down. Cast down meant somebody pushed you. Somebody threw you to the ground. They had intentions to harm you. He said, we're cast down, but we're not destroyed. In other words, Paul was saying, it doesn't matter if you're troubled, if you're distressed, if you're perplexed, if you're persecuted, or if you're cast down. Whatever happens to you, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't throw in the towel. Born into poverty, Abraham Lincoln was faced with defeat throughout his entire life. In 1816, his family was forced out of their home and he had to work to support them. In 1818, his mother died. In 1831, he failed in business. In 1832, he ran for state legislature and he lost. In 1832, he also lost his job. He wanted to go to law school, but he couldn't get in. In 1833, he borrowed some money from a friend to begin a business. And by the end of the year, he was bankrupt. He spent the next 17 years trying to pay off his debt. In 1834, he ran for state legislature. And again, this time, he won. In 1835, he was engaged to be married, but his sweetheart died and his heart was broken. In 1836, he had a total nervous breakdown and was in bed for six months. In 1838, he sought to become Speaker of the State Legislature, but he was defeated. In 1840, he sought to become Elector, and he was defeated. In 1843, he ran for Congress, and he lost. In 1846, he ran for Congress again. This time, he won. In 1848, he ran for re-election for Congress, and he lost. In 1849, he sought the job of land officer in his home state, but he was rejected. In 1856, he sought the vice presidential nomination at his party's national convention and got less than 100 votes. In 1858, he ran for U.S. Senate again, and again he lost. 44 years of trial and what most would call abject failure. But in 1860, he was elected president of the United States of America. He lost eight elections, twice failed in business, suffered a nervous breakdown. He could have quit many times, but he didn't. And because he didn't quit, he became one of the greatest presidents in our history and one of the most powerful forces against slavery because he refused to quit. Tell your neighbor, you've got to remove the quit you can win if you don't quit
Micah 7 and 8, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. A winner is just somebody that keeps getting back up again. I came to preach to somebody. You can win if you'll get back up again. You can win if you'll stand back up. I don't care how many times you failed. I don't care how many times you messed up. If you can get back up, you can win again. Number seven. Y'all ready? The seventh law of victory. The battle is not yours. It belongs to God. Whoa! Somebody going to shout over that in just a moment. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. Or rather, verse 20. No, verse 1 through 4. Says, and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set to himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. The king became afraid and he told the whole nation, we've got to go on a fast. I just received word that there's a multitude of our enemy that is coming to take us out. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord even out of the city of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, verse 14, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. God, I'm glad we don't use those names anymore. Came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. The word of the Lord settled down in the midst of God's people. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours. But God's. And he said, Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz 
and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jurel. Now this confuses me because he just told them in verse 15 that the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. But then in verse 16, he tells them exactly where to go in order to face the enemy. God, I thought this was your battle. Why are you going to make me show up to a fight that doesn't belong to me? Because God said the last thing I want your enemy to see when I take them out is your face. The last thing I want the enemy to be looking at when I step in is I want you to be looking at him right in the eyeball when I show up and avenge you of your adversary. Verse 17, he said, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. He says it again. Fear not, nor be dismayed. I want you to show up and don't you let them see you sweat. I'm giving some people some keys to victory. When you know God's got your back, don't you even let the devil see you sweat it. Can I preach to some of us uh, that every time we're going through a struggle, uh, uh, pray for me. How's your day? Oh, it's okay. Uh, the devil been messing with me, uh, and I don't know. And, and I just, can you pray that somehow? Shut up! Quit letting the enemy see you shake. Quit letting the enemy see you sweat it. God already promised you victory. Don't you be afraid. And don't you be dismayed. You got to change your disposition. Boy, half a win in a fight sometimes is bluffing the enemy. You show up in the hood to a fight. You better not let them see this. They're, they're trying to smell the fear on you. I don't care how big they are. You got to show up like it ain't no thing. Ain't nothing between me and you except air and opportunity. Don't want none. Don't start none. He said, I want you to show up and get dry up your tears. I want you to show up and get the frown off of your face. I want you to show up to the battle and straighten up your back. Tighten up your tie. Square your shoulders. Don't you dare be afraid. Don't you dare be dismayed. Show up to the fight with the look of victory on your face. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. I want you to show up. I got two stories and I'm going to end. 
gonna tell one story. Back in the original days of professional football, there was a phenomenon that was discovered. You understand that you can only have 11 people on the field at a time. And they discovered a phenomenon where sometimes a game would be happening and the opposing team, you know, when, when the home team has the ball, everybody's cheering, everybody's excited for the offense. But then when the defense would get the ball, everybody on the home team would be quiet. But all of a sudden, a phenomenon would happen sometimes. And when the defense got the ball, the home team fans would start shouting and start hollering. And the sound would become so loud in the stadium that it would begin to become difficult for the opposing team to understand what was going on on the field. And they would begin to get so loud that the quarterback would try to be calling plays and trying to communicate. And nobody, they would be right next to each other. And it was so loud, they couldn't even hear the plays that were being called. And so it would start to turn into pandemonium. And then the, the opposing team would fumble the ball and they would miss the play. Not because the, the home team was better, but because they were being distracted by the sound of the people in the bleachers. And they started to call the phenomena the 12th man. You got 11 players on the field, but there's a 12th member of the team. That's all the people that are sitting in the stadium. God said, I don't need you to fight. Here's what I want you to do. In verse 21, it says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Come on, singers, get ready. Uh, that they should praise uh, the beauty of holiness uh, as they went out before the army uh, and to say, uh, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 22 says, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. The people of God begin to praise him. All of a sudden, God begin to confuse the enemy. I feel like preaching to somebody this last law of victory. God doesn't need you to fight because the battle belongs to him. What God needs you to do is show up to the fight and give God the praise. Come on. God said, I want you to get on the battlefield and start praising me. I want you to get on the battlefield and start lifting up my name. I want you to get on the battlefield and lift up your... I wish somebody would jump out of your seat right now. We're about to get some victory in the building. I don't know what you've been dealing with. I don't know what you've been fighting. But somebody needs to jump up out of your seat 
and remove the quit option and lift up your hands and begin to magnify the Lord. Come on. The battle belongs to God. Somebody give him the praise tonight. Come on. Somebody give him the praise tonight. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're in the middle of. Open up your mouth and give God the praise in this place. Somebody give him a shout of praise. in front of you uh, that you need to see come down. Come on, throw your hand in the air. Do you got some giants uh, that you need God to defeat? Uh, you got some opposition uh, that you need God. Uh, I want you to get as close as you can uh, to this altar right now. Uh, come on, lift your hands up. Uh, get as close as you can to this altar. Uh, I want you to envision in your mind uh, that you're on a battlefield tonight. Uh, and God said, uh, I don't want you to be afraid. Uh, I don't want you to be dismayed. Uh, all I need you to do uh, is show up uh, and give me uh, the praise. Uh, I'm about to fight uh, your battles. Uh, open up your mouth uh, and give him a praise.
I'm destined for victory. I've got a promise of victory. I've got a prophecy of victory. Give God the praise. Yeah. I've got it.
spirit. I'm walking into my promise this week with victory in my heart. Oh, oh.